0: Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of Talking Touring with me, Craig Leach and the
1: beautiful Liam Sexton. How you doing, buddy? That was so kind of you. Thank you so much. You look fantastic today, by the way.
0: I know it, I know it.
1: <laughs> of course you know it. You yeah, want I know it. <laughs> <be>. <laughs> Um, uh, something a little bit different this week, Craig.
0: Absolutely. Tell yeah. us all about it, Liam.
1: So, as many people probably know, this week is Independent Venue Week, a week in the UK where we celebrate the glory that is grassroots independent venues, who are without a doubt the absolute lifeblood of the music industry. It, you can't argue against that. It's a fucking statement of fact. <laughs> Not a <laughs> <Fight> lie. <me. laughs> Uh, so we thought this week, rather than having on a guest that we've we've met on tour or who is a touring musician or something similar, we would bring in some guests from venues who we really love. So we have uh, a friend of ours, Nick, uh, who is the owner, operator, booker, promoter, everything person at The Cookie in Leicester. We've got Dom, uh, who is in charge of everything at the Boiler Room in Guildford. And to finish off, we have the wonderful Mig from the incredible venue in Bristol that is the Louisiana. And what we try to do with this episode is just have a little chat with them about their venue, what it means to be an independent venue, and talk to them about the importance of keeping these venues going. Because I don't know if you knew this, Craig, but in the last decade, 35% of grassroots venues have closed. You know, I, I didn't
0: know that, and that's an incredibly scary figure, and that, that's something we, we've talked about quite a lot with this, is is how in the last decade, people have been actively trying to shut down our grassroots venues, and just listening to the stories that these guys have about how they have survived it, it's, it's inspirational, as well as eye-opening.
1: Absolutely, it is, and it's not with without saying too much without the the support of people like independent venue week and the music venues trust we would be in a much more dire situation than we were with grassroots venues um than we currently are i think we're very lucky to have people like the music venues trust Independent venue week to help support these these places and keep live music live That is so fucking cheesy, but I'm going to say it's fucking beautiful. (laughs) It's
0: beautiful, mate. I love it. So, uh, well, I hope that you guys all enjoy this episode. It's it's something that both of us obviously hold very dear to our hearts. And uh, we hope that soon enough you will get to go down to your local venues and go and hang out with them and show some support.
1: Absolutely. Well, without saying too much more, let's stop fucking around. Enjoy the episode. Bye. Bye. So obviously, Nick, we brought you on because you are the booker, owner, operator, um, everything at The Cookie in Leicester, one of my favourite small venues in the country. And obviously, with it being independent venue, we wanted to talk to a few people from independent venues about their experience being independent venues. So we just got a few very, very small questions for you. Um, we're going to run through nice and easy, nice and quickly. Starting with like a quite a fun one, what's your favourite show you've had in your venue? I think I might know the answer to this, but...
2: I've been thinking about this all day. Yeah, actually, yeah, because I think it's so hard to pick one. I bet that you almost have to break it down into, so like, the best show of a band that's on their way up. Yeah. So like, Royal Blood, Wolf Alice.
1: Yeah. Nice. George I, I, thought you, I thought you were gonna say royal blood it's just yeah just a fucking mind-blowing event that royal blood played that it was like the day before the brits or something like that
2: yeah it was mad yeah, yeah. Like the, the 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 gear they had was like what they had on the next two tours it's
1: fucking insane I just
2: remember phil coming in and being like this is going to
1: be a nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it was like the day before the Brits or something like that, where they won a massive award. And it was from like that, that next day onwards that they just fucking skyrocketed after that. Yeah. It was
2: insane. Yes. Yeah. It didn't even sell out actually.
1: Did it not? No way.
2: Oh, that's no. mad. Fuck. Because like the, the funny story with them is it was, um, I remember getting an email in the summer and the agent who's a friend was like, check this band out. Um, here's just like a, a, a soundcloud link no name of the band jesus what they're called i don't, we don't know yet all right do, would you like a show well <laughs> yeah sure why not um he was like they just need 125 quid um i was like wow. what do we put on the poster i don't know yet <laughs> <laughs> the Brilliant. Oh but then a God. couple of weeks in a couple of weeks they had their name and uh yeah, it, that that tour was on sale, and that no one really knew who they were. Then the first single came out, and then it kind of just and it stopped, blew up. Like, I can imagine, yeah. blew up from there. Yeah, and then the second show was was like sold out in 10, 10 minutes or
1: something daft mm-hmm. like that. So that's like quite a good point, actually. That the risk that you have to take sometimes as a small venue is huge. I mean, like that's that's one particular scenario where it's it's really panned out well, and they've done incredibly from that, and you've got that forever now being like yeah they played one of the last shows one of the last small shows they ever did was Mm -hmm. in my venue did they do any any festival stuff before that was it just straight into straight into that tour oh my god wow
2: they did the open rehearsals for for agents and the label and then that was it
1: just smashed it straight away like what a fucking cinderella story it's just straight from the bottom to the top that's amazing but that's the importance i guess of grassroots venues because without like that position where someone is willing like yourself to take a risk and go do you know what yeah 125 quids I'll put on a band that I've never heard of that doesn't have a name that might be good yeah. but without yeah. someone doing that they're never going to get anywhere
2: yeah you know there's a lot of bands that don't work out oh yeah at the same time I think because you're doing it every week and you're putting on what 150-200 shows a year yeah you then build up that trust with with agents and managers, and then you kind of know when something is going to work. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I then, guess you like you say, someone says to you that you've done a show with, you know, a hundred times. You need to keep an eye on this one. This is going to yeah. be something. Yeah. Usually, you're going to be like, all right, they they clearly know what they're talking about. I'll stick my yeah. hat in for that. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, I think it's, the, it's, it's just harder when bands are just going round and round and round on the circuit for so long. It's, it's harder to justify keep booking them, really, because the margins are so fine.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that in mind, actually, so that was you've been your favourite show there um, at The Cookie. What's, if, when, when we open up again, say like we opened up tomorrow, who would yeah. be your dream booking to get as like the fucking comeback show for The Cookie?
2: Yeah, again, it's like, would you have one of those bands come back that obviously you had on the way up and they've gone on to do what they're doing and then you have them back? But then I do not understand how we never got an Idols show. (laughs) 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 Obviously, they played twice for Handmade. Yes. Um, We never had them. And like, if you think of all the bands we've had, people just think they've played there. Like you talk to people. Oh, yeah, that's true. They didn't. um we've had like everyone else in that scene but we Mm. never had them um so you're going to get them to come and play (laughs) (laughs) brilliant (laughs) joe's dj set doesn't on. no no that's true
1: (laughs) fuck that was a while ago actually i completely forgot about that it's like two years back now isn't it yeah easily yeah fucking hell i I was in leicester that day actually when he was doing that you were actually because you were there for um the fireball tour up, uh, that the sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's the one. Yes, yeah,
0: that, that was a barrel and art. Um, I was <laughs> trying to get you to come to the to come to the bar
1: to have a drink, and you were being boring about it. I was being professional. <laughs> I think <laughs> professional. The drinking fireball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Being a professional. No, I was I was drinker.
0: driving on that tour, so I was just uh, I was just a fun sponge that whole tour. <laughs> it was rubbish. um Nick, so as as someone that that's got like quite a, you've got a great name for your venue on the touring circuit. How, how do you keep that reputation with those bands and, and the agents and stuff? And do you reckon that's because of the history of the venue or do you think that's because of like the hospitality
2: that you welcome touring acts in? With? Yeah, I think from, from when we first started, it was all about trying to provide an experience that was bigger than what we are. Mm-hmm. So, from the minute someone walks in, they all get a cup of tea, and people muck yep. in and help them load in. Yeah. Um, as as you've been there, when you drive when you drive down, and people would see it's a little cafe, they'd be like, "What is that? <laughs> 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 uh, it's going to be a nightmare loading. It's going to be this. Going to be that." But I think if you if you straight away start that like, opening arms, welcoming people in, come on, have a drink. Will help you. Let's get downstairs. Love that. Yeah. Then once people are set up, then it all kind of falls it's into those, place.
0: Those small tokens of of like understanding that goes such a long way in that touring world, especially if someone's been out on the road for six weeks and suddenly they get to a venue and it's just like yeah. going home. It's yeah, I yeah. think it's the most yeah. valuable thing a venue can do.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I think the same. Making sure people are happy throughout the show, giving them a place to hang out, then after the gig, that kind of not just chucking them out and like, see yeah. you later. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll get the van, we'll help you go and stick it somewhere else to park and just come and hang out
0: yeah. until yeah. we
2: close. Yeah. Um, and there's been some you know, big nights out with bands oh, yeah. over <laughs> the years. Um, and I think people, yeah, like you say, if you've been in a van for, especially at that level mm. where you're either a new band, it's all new to you and you're stuck in a, in a converted transit or you're a band who've maybe been around a bit and gone back down a level, um, it's just nice to have a bit of home home comforts, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Um, so that's the big thing, and I think that's just helped us all the way through. And I think it's just been that people would be like, "Yeah, go there. They look after you. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll give you shots at the end of the gig." Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and and unfortunately, you know, because of I think the way bands have been looked after, we've managed to retain bands through the venues and, and to keep going up at um, the mm-hmm. academy and stuff because you know
1: that's it you want to see them through on the journey as well you don't want to just have it end at the cookie and be like well thank you very much you've sold this out goodbye good luck on your journey you want to take
2: that that career through yeah and that that was a big thing i think it was that not yeah you're right just not stopping there it was that Mm -hmm. ability to then continue working with bands showing Mm -hmm. that you're you're invested in in what they're doing um
1: and I think you've got a fantastic success story in that, in, in Mahalia, for example, in that she's gone from, you know, a singer-songwriter playing the open mic nights and things down at the venue to then moving to programming her own events there with you as well, all the way up to, to where she is now as a, as a headline seller act in most places, an international star. And you've managed yeah. to keep that that relationship for, what, 10 years, let's say? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it
2: is. Yeah, yeah near and near, near, yeah. yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. That was it. That was the key. And I think we when we first started doing shows, you kind of knew you could probably get that with touring bands because yeah. some bands are gonna blow up and they'll you'll you'll stay on the journey. But I think to find a local act that you could do it with was always gonna be the hard bit. And I think once we cracked that obviously we've done it with Mahalia, done it with Easy Life.
1: Easy Life as well, yeah.
2: Um and hopefully we may do it with others.
1: Fingers crossed. I know there's, <laughs> a, few crossed, there. uh, there's yeah. a few out
2: there, yeah. Um, and I think that's important you can show them that like look we're not just in it to make 50 quid off this first show let's see what see what we can do I
1: think that's always been something that I've I've seen that you've done with local bands is rather than just being like yeah we'll we'll stick you a few support slots on when we can get you in for nice and cheap maybe just some like guest list entry for your mates or like a, a case of beer or something like that you've picked out people that you enjoy working with or the sound that you like or the show that you enjoy and helped them to to refine their ideas and mm. move things forward past just working in your venue so that they they lengthen their career. And I think that kind of support as an independent venue is so important because then when you, when you move up to like academies and you're still having yourself promote them, it doesn't really feel like you left the cookie because you're still getting that same level of support and respect and love the higher you go, even though you're not yes. playing the cookie anymore it hasn't really changed so much and they're yeah, still dealing yeah. with the same team of people all the time.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, which is sometimes where I think the soulless nature of, of like, in, like national international promoters comes in. I mean, the money's great and you get some great venues out of it, but you know, you're never going to see the same face twice usually.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've always had that thing where I would, I've never hired the venue out to a national promoter. No. Um, one because you know I I've selfishly wanted to have the acts myself, but at the same oh, yeah. time, I just don't <laughs> yeah. think because they would hire the venue, they'd pay a fee. They then ask someone to rep it for them, someone to work at the box office for it's them. There's no Very personal faceless. touch to it. Yeah. yeah, there's no personal touch. Yeah. Um, and then, but then they've kind of got that band purely for financial reasons, really yeah. to stay with them. No other reason than that.
1: Mm. What, at the minute, obviously, we've got an issue in that we've got COVID, which is making life very, very difficult to operate small venues um, in any capacity. Like I know that some people have managed to to move themselves into doing like a, a food takeaway service or something like that. Um, but out, outside of COVID, under regular regular times, weird way to phrase <laughs> that. What <laughs> what do you think of the, like the modern challenges that face independent venues on a regular basis? Um it's quite a difficult question i think yeah right? there's so many factors but
2: yeah there is i think there's i think there has to be a realistic expectation of what everyone can take from those shows now mm-hmm. and, and mainly that's financial yeah um and i think the pressures are so hard now on venues the margins are non-existent
1: mm-hmm. it's um, crazy thing, yeah.
2: if, you know ticket prices are going up artist fees are going up Riders at that level go up and up and up, PRS goes up. Mm. Um, you can't keep pushing it because there's not really enough money for it to, to go around. Um, so I think you really are seeing a lot of pressure. And I think this coming out of this pandemic will hopefully mean there's a bit of a reset with things like that. I That's hope definitely. So. Um, yeah, I
0: think a lot of people are hoping for that we've had on the show yeah, so you far. Know,
2: yeah. When, this, when someone's coming in on their first tour, um, I know it's obviously an amazing feeling to, to be going around selling tickets in all these cities, doing something you love, but asking for two pages worth of rider and- <laughs> Which we just, have
1: seen at that venue before. Yeah, be it's just, you know,
2: come on. Like, where, yeah, yeah. Do you think, where do you think it's coming from? Let's all be realistic and realize that we're actually, we're all in this together yeah. to keep Absolutely. the scene going. Um, yeah. And if venues have to close down because ultimately they're, they're being pinched so much, what is the point?
1: Well, that is it. That uh, where is the breaking point? Who's going to suffer yeah. more out of that situation with increased um, financial pressure? It's either the venue or the ticket buyer that's going to suffer yeah. out of this because either you're going to have to fold and close, or they're going to have to pay a hugely inflated ticket price to see a gig, yeah. which isn't yeah. going to work. But hopefully, like you just said, with there being coming out of this, there being hopefully a, a, a reset. In things is probably quite likely. I mean, looking at the news this week, obviously we Glastonbury being cancelled again for a second time is hugely devastating. Hugely devastating for the
3: news Yeah,
2: sport. but I but I think that we need to look at the Glastonbury thing and 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 that's not just happening, that's happening because of the build time that they need. There is you know, that. I as think well. There's, there's so many more to things to that story that, yep. that need to come out. And it's not panic stations. Let's not think no. because they've stopped. Everything else is not going to happen. I hope no. everyone, I hope the, I hope the public kind of keep a bit of confidence in that stuff will happen.
1: I think there is yeah. that immediate shock and worry because it is yeah. such a, a globally known festival. Yeah. It's such like a, well, they're, a,
2: they're, they're building a city at the end of the day. It, exactly, they? that <laughs> is it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't know if you've uh, anyone who's listened to this has ever done Glastonbury as uh, a part of the Glastonbury team or toured there with with part of a band, but the facility to provide lighting to the entire, um, well, small city that it is, is an insanely savage task. I mean, I can't yeah. remember exactly who it was that told me about it, but there's like, I don't know, like 50 generators worth of power going- I think it's the more than that. Yeah. Just to, to, to light the area because of how many people are there. Yeah, It's insane. Yeah. So like you say, it is. there are more factors involved, but I'm, what I'm expecting to see is that there will probably be an expected reduction in artist fees for a lot of festivals for them to to be able to function further on having lost two years worth of income yeah i think that's the only way that that can be seen forward at the minute is particularly festivals is yeah you you, you can't
2: keep putting ticket prices up and uh, interestingly there's a few agents have actually said this to me with what do you think about a ticket price normally you're just told it's x amount yeah ticket national ads catering uh, yeah. support budget but now there's a lot more open conversations about what do you think the ticket price should be in your market. Perfect.
0: Um, That's nice that you're because, getting an input in that now.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. because you know I think when we come out of this, I do think it's going to be really good for the industry. I think that so many people who want to see shows, but at the same time,
3: mm-hmm.
2: people are not in a good financial position, so we no. can't just go, "Yeah, this was 15 quid, make it 17 quid," because people aren't going to have the money to go to all these shows. So no. So hopefully, yeah, um, fees, ticket prices can stay where they are, if not drop down a little bit. Artist fees will have to drop a little bit, I think. I think so. Um, and all the other show costs, because, you know, things like cleaning and stuff could go up. Well, yeah, that's new, it. New yeah. things in place. I know that they've actually um, got
1: misters now that have been developed out of, um, yeah. like, well, it's a repurposing of, like, a of a, of a fog machine, a smoke machine, mm. um, to provide... Uh, a misting antibacterial agent i think it is yeah uh, in venues which may become uh, a standard they may become like yeah. a requirement a, a health and safety requirement which are not going to be cheap to do so yeah. so like you say the cleaning yeah. costs are going to work it's a big there's a big question mark but i think we've got the potential to make some very very good changes to yeah 100 yeah to help Amazing. maintain and grow uh a part of the music industry that is absolutely vital to artist growth. Because again, I mean, we said it before on this, the, the, I think we're going to say it every time we talk to someone on this episode, grassroots venues are the lifeblood of the music industry. There's nothing without, them, without that, without that stepping point to, to hone your craft and learn what you do and make connections. It's not going to happen.
2: You know? Yeah. There's not many acts that just jump up to academies. Yeah. Because the record labels don't have that much money to spend on acts either anymore. So you've got to get out there and earn and earn your stripes, haven't
1: you? Exactly. That's it. And that's what makes a band. That's what, make, what makes or breaks a band. Mm. Exactly it. Uh, well, brilliant. We're going to move on anyway now because we've got uh, a couple of people to get through. But thank you so much cool. for coming no on. No worries, Nick. man. Pretty thank sure, you, Nick. It? Really thank
3: appreciate you so nice. your
1: time. Dom! <laughs> 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 What's your favourite show you've ever had in your venue?
4: Well, that is a really difficult question because all of the shows are like my children. It sounds really odd, but I have a personal relationship with everyone um, and every single one is different. Some Absolutely. that stand out are probably like Wolf Alice um, when they played. Obviously, amazing. Idols. Yeah, Idols, mm-hmm. Bronx. Incredible. Uh, B.B.O.Town. Bronx. Bronx,
3: Bronx. Yes.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, and uh, we took them all to uh, this terrible, it's not terrible, but it used to be this bar in Guildford called Fahrenheit. There was this tiny little bar oh, in Guildford. Oh
0: yeah. I remember Fahrenheit. <laughs> I
1: remember Fahrenheit.
4: Can you imagine the Bronx in there? It was hilarious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we all hung out with them there afterwards. Um, so yeah, it's it's actually, funny enough, it's the shows, but it's also the people, isn't it? You know, you yeah. remember, you know the experiences and you you make new friends don't you for that one night you suddenly become like so close with
1: someone yeah Yeah. you you get sucked into that world of like it's almost like a a traveling circus and you kind of feel like you're running away with it a little bit and like you say we've taken the bronx out to like the weirdest fucking but if anyone doesn't know there's that used to be in guildford is bar called fahrenheit which was really fucking strange a very very weird place to go for a drink after work um but it's like an amazing thing to have done you know you have that story for the rest of your life now that yeah. experience that shared experience with those people which is as a result of you giving a band an opportunity to play in your venue
4: yeah oh definitely yeah definitely i mean we had like the sugar hill gang played the what? actual yeah the sugar hill gang right okay they're older you know but still yeah. hella cool fuck yes and, and it was just It was amazing and like people like Hugh Cornwall from The Stranglers, like some of those heritage artists who like were the soundtrack to my youth, watching them on, you know, the stage that I'm, you know, I'm part of the team that manages, like what, this is amazing.
0: I remember the first famous person I ever worked or worked with was Bernie Marsden at The Boiler Room and it was one of the greatest shows to this day (laughs) that I've ever been involved with. That man (laughs) was a legend.
4: Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad it's at the boiler room too. I love that when people are like, this happened at the boiler room. This, a lot of people cut their teeth at places like the boiler room, don't they, this, you know?
1: Exactly, exactly.
4: Like the, like the Cookie, like, you know, like Brudenelle, uh, like, you know, the venues all over the country. It's the same, you know, people say, oh, I met my wife or husband at your place. And, you know, yeah. this, I, this is what happened at the boiler room in my youth or, you know, or even older, you know, because people of all ages, you know, come to our venue. So, Yeah. yeah.
1: It's about community at the end of the day, I think, mm. which is what makes these venues so special. Not just the fact that you are providing uh, a platform for which artists can learn their craft and cut their teeth and make the connections to, to further their careers. It's about the community that su- that survives around it. And I think the Boiler Room is a massive, like an incredible exp- uh, um, uh, point for that as well, because of the situation where Boiler, where boiler Room is in Guildford. Mm. With it being so local to so many people, like it's you know, literally there's people who live next door to this <laughs> venue. It's incredible, um, yeah. and the fact that you have such strong connections with places like the ACM in in Guildford, which both um, Craig and I are, are alumni of, yeah, it, it it provides a place for these people to meet and and expand their lives and their their experiences, and like you say, meet their future partners, meet meet their future band members. It's such a beautiful thing to be a part of. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, obviously when I was living in Guildford, I know that uh, the boiler room went through some trouble with, with um noise complaints and people trying to just like get a horrible time period of time where it was happening a lot all over the country, I think, with people mm-hmm. trying to shut grassroots venues because of noise complaints. Yeah. And you guys really dug deep and you had a lot of help from the industry and people signing petitions mm-hmm. to to keep it open. With that in mind, obviously moving past that, what what is the most Challenging thing that you have as a modern venue now, obviously not aside from COVID, to deal with on a day-to-day basis. How, how do? You, what's, what's the biggest challenge you face?
4: I suppose for my challenge personally is probably um, making sure that, uh, like, I'm still relevant to to mm-hmm. the boiler room. It's also making sure that uh, I don't have any uh, ego involved in what I'm doing and that. Venue, I realize now that the venue isn't like about me, even though yeah. I'm sometimes the face of the venue. You know, um, you guys, like you said, some of your stories of being at the venue as a, as a young person, like I'm now older and mm-hmm. do other things in my life too. Of course, I'm still there and I'll still be there from the beginning to the end of the night, but it's also allowing other people to feel like it's theirs, it's not
3: mm-hmm.
4: mine. And yes. so that that's that's like been a big thing for me, you know. Uh, and you guys will know from you know you will know craig especially you know i'm i like to control things i like to know what's going on <laughs> yeah. you know i I, like, I have an idea of how i want everything to be and you know Absolutely. if it's not if it's not crushing it yeah. good what's the point of doing it that's my like, yeah no i know. agree with you
1: completely yeah. agree with that statement
4: and, and so sometimes though you have to kind of step back a bit from that and allow other people to to you know when it comes to things like just our social presence you know i can't i can't make every single Instagram post, and I can't like mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. be
4: there, being being the voice from the ballroom. I have to let someone else be the voice. So, and it yeah. might always be my words, but it's still it's their words because it's their there. So that's probably the biggest challenge is is having to have had, let go of that in fifteen years to say, yeah, it's fine, so, you you do it, yeah, you take that over, it's fine, you know, and and hearing the different voices and uh, f- that, that make up the family of the ballroom.
1: Yeah, and um, that's a really good way to describe it, actually as a family. Yeah, and that's it, essentially what it is.
4: Yeah, and just touch on what you said about the noise as well. Um, uh, it's a I'll be really quick, but it's a great story about what happened during that time. So, we basically I was working at a festival uh, in mm-hmm. Ireland, and um, we were going through our license review, and we were really struggling. And mm-hmm. um, and basically, unbeknown to me, because I'd gone to Ireland, Ed Sheeran tweeted about the Boiler Room on the Friday. Oh, shit. And I just set up this thing. Um, I just set up this mailing list. So every time someone signed our petition, basically a copy of it went to the licensing officer and went to the local councillor. And Fucking so, great idea. Yeah. So every time someone signs, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, we'll get a thousand or so, a hundred or five hundred. That would be amazing. So yeah. I go off to a field that has no signal in it, and. Um, <laughs> Sunday I'm um, going back towards Dublin and uh like I get suddenly I get into Signal again and uh, and it's like I've got like messages and message and message and message because you know what it's like when you're at a festival when you're working you're yeah, just yeah. in it aren't you you know yeah. yeah and uh and all of a sudden yeah I'm like 20 something thousand people have signed this petition no and and um and I've got messages from the licensing department asking me to please change the settings on the email so that they start sending them to us
0: kind of
1: thing <laughs> brilliant Love
3: it. It what a brilliant. better way
1: to prove that you are a relevant part of yeah. the community yeah. than just go well we've you've got questions about our our position here here's every yeah. single person every single time they show an interest yeah that, and like I, you couldn't ask for the better than that
4: no and i think it i, mean, I think it, that was a real shift for us you know it was just putting it out to the public to say we need your help it was a big thing for me to do that, ask for help. And, oh, my God, did they deliver? It was amazing.
0: Incredible. I think that's such
1: a, a great point as well, for, particularly for this year for Independent Venue Week with, with the fact that we're struggling across the board with COVID and everything else. But I think it's a great thing to, to make it relevant that someone like Ed Sheeran, who is you know, an international pop star now, Still taking the time to be invested in venues that he was involved with when he was growing as a musician. Mm -hmm. That's how important venues like the Boardroom are, in that without he still knows where
0: he came from, doesn't he? He knows where he
1: came from. Without you existing, he doesn't get to be who he is now. Which is huge. He he can't can't really put into words how important that is. One of
4: the Ed shows. Yeah, I remember one of the um his shows me holding his belt and his back of his you know very professional obviously (laughs) he decided he decided to go into the audience and stood on like a little footstool thing and so I was just standing there like holding on to him like oh my god please don't fall please don't
3: fall
4: (laughs) you know with all these kids around him and he he did like play he played like three four times at the venue and yeah what like stellar guy really really nice guy and met everyone afterwards as well so yeah
1: amazing that's um, amazing.
0: Do you have a show that you're particularly looking forward to when when life looks like normal again? Have you have you got anything in the diary that you can't wait for, or like, what is that ideal show that you want to come I back mean, with a bang with?
4: I mean, literally, I will go to any show. I don't care what it is anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: perfect. You no, know I mean
4: anything. I am going to never turn down a show again. I was having a chat uh-huh. to a friend of mine, Ross, who who runs um, a promotions company as well, and he was saying like. You you know you, would you remember when you're like oh, I can't be bothered I can't bother to go out tonight yeah. like, yeah, I can't bother yeah, to go to yeah. a show you know, and it's like I will literally go to anything and everything I will be at the venue every single night. But we've got do nothing coming in and they um yeah great band and um again my, my husband um produced a, track, a couple of few tracks with them as well so I like those guys from Nottingham. We're also yeah, doing man. this this is the kit at the cathedral, um at the end Ooh, of the year. Nice
1: so we're That's doing
4: it, yeah so I'm kind of looking forward to that as well I mean it, just anything do you know what I mean I think I'm like probably like anybody else a- anything that we have coming up I mean I'm really lucky I'm going to see a show on Monday because we're doing a live stream you know yeah, I get of to, course, yeah. I'm going to see, see that I'm going to see a band perform but yeah I, I'm just tell us a little to... bit
0: about that Dom let's like, so you guys in all this madness you have had to work out other ways to stay afloat like what What have you guys at the Boiler Room actually bought in and implemented to keep afloat as such?
4: Yeah, so we were mothballed for for most of last year and um, Mm -hmm. we did a lot of thinking, a lot of planning and scheming. Um, A lot of venues went straight out and just bought 30 grand's worth of gear with, you know, funding and things and yeah. I was really nervous about it. And so, you know, because you just don't know, do you really? What gear, no, you know, there's so, oh, there's so much out there as well. Um, hmm. Different kinds of cameras. So um, I know a company um, called Light Up, actually, who are based on the South Coast. And they yeah. ha- help me basically to get some PTZs in um, and also some GoPros as well. So we have got some nice cameras that are really high def, uh, high mm-hmm. definition and 4 k and then a really nice little mixer and, and some other bits and bobs and new lighting and and so basically I've just learned to vision mix really using Final Cut Pro and um, I've had I've had a bit of help you know Ollie Dexter he <laughs> literally like helped me out so much with um, we're using mod as well mod streaming they're helping us so we're using their platform for us for some of our streams so it's great. just basically like our family who have come together and gone we'll help you out we'll get you set up streaming and we'll make mm-hmm. it crushingly good you know so mm-hmm. um but yeah you guys definitely watch watch the streams and tell me what you think i want some feedback for sure, <laughs> for sure. So, um, how often are you well.
1: streaming is it like a, a regular weekly thing or is that just when and when you can get a, a band to come in or
4: yeah pretty pretty much when uh when we've got an artist that we we want to work with you know that, um, that we can work with, especially, yeah. you know, we, we're COVID secure. So, um, for ibw we'll have a week-long worth of events. And we're doing lots of In Conversation With, because a lot of those Fantastic. events all got cancelled, like six out of the seven nights cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, having Never Not Nothing on the Monday, um, you know, one of those ba- one of the guys in the band, my husband, so we're in a bubble together anyway, so it kind of was limiting that exposure. But... Um, yeah, so we, we, and with jazz, jazz is a big thing on streaming. We're getting more people stream okay. our jazz events than we can fit in the venue.
1: That's wow. just such a weird thing to think about. That, the, I mean, for me, particularly when you mention the word jazz, I think mostly an older audience.
3: Yeah, it is. aren't really very
1: tech savvy. But it's amazing that this has now brought people into an, an entirely new world of being like at home and able to watch a show, which is, at the minute, beautiful.
4: Yeah, right. I, I think it's I think it's the way forward. I was quite anti live streaming. Um, yeah. You know, I was like, I
1: think everyone was for a, a period of time. Yeah,
4: yeah, I was like, what weird like grassroots DIY venue? No way, it's never going to take. You know, blah. and actually now I'm like this hybrid show for, for people who are vulnerable or shielding or who have um, accessibility challenges that can't mm-hmm. get out you Know great, well, like, having a live stream that they can watch it like is the difference between them seeing live music and not
1: absolutely 100%. You yeah.
4: know, and, and as a promoter, if we can tag on an extra 100, 200 tickets, our, my, my, my 300 venue becomes a 500 cap venue, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, is that something you think you'll continue to do? Uh, once we move past it, you're still going to sell tickets for live stream and have regular yeah. shows as well.
4: Um, obviously artists depending because some artists are super scared of the the sound because they don't have control over that live sound because they have to put it in our hands as you know as engineers our engineers but I think as long as you spend time working on it maybe the sound check will be a bit longer you know but and you can do like we do we'll do a pre-record and be like here you go take the headphones have a listen this is what it's sounding like do you like
1: it yeah exactly that's that's exactly how you do it for every other tv show that you perform on You do right. yeah. pre-record yeah. in the afternoon check your levels have an engineer go in and go yeah boost this take that out that doesn't sound great let's change this microphone then you go for it in the evening it's exactly yeah. the same thing
4: yeah and i think why not i mean if, 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 there's not? More, if there's more revenue for people who you know who could so that's for the artists that's for everyone else who's working within that the event and also it's better for the customer as well. It's safer for those who can't get out. Everyone's everyone a <laughs> everyone's a winner.
3: Everyone's a winner.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, I think that's a perfect place. We're going to have to wrap it up there. But thank you so much for coming on, Dom. I really, really thank appreciate you, your thank time. You, thank you.
4: Oh, thanks for asking me. Thanks for asking me. And it's yeah, it's lovely just to have a chat with you guys. And yeah, Likewise. and I can't wait to see you in person again. Oh,
1: yeah, yes, not long. Absolutely. It's gonna be <laughs> I can't great. wait to get down there. Wonderful. So we've asked everyone else' for the first question we've asked. has been quite a difficult one to answer, I think, has been, "What's your favorite show that you've had in your venue so far?":
3: Whatever, ever. ever. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> I mean, there's a few that stand out. I mean, the. I mean, if you've got a few, a
1: few is absolutely fine, of course. I think,
3: uh, Jose Gonzalez, when he played. Jose Gonzalez. Was, oh, amazing, yeah. yeah uh, really special. Um, White Stripes, that was pretty cool. Fucking and hell. I played, yeah. Um, Amy Winehouse. I think the second time she played, that was pretty Jesus cool. Jesus Christ.
1: Those are some big fucking uh, names straight off the bat. Yeah.
3: Idols, obviously. Of course. Yeah, they're they're terrible. (laughs) I hate those guys.
1: Absolutely hate
3: idols. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, (laughs) they're okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's amazing. I think that's a really good, uh, three really good answers that actually exemplify the point that we've been making across this episode, which is that independent grassroots venues like yourselves are the lifeblood of the music industry, because people like Cozy Gonzalez, the White yeah. Stripes, Amy Winehouse, do not have a career unless yeah. they're able to perform and cut their teeth and hone their craft in venues yeah, well, like we're, yours.
3: We're, well, we're, you know, uh, GMVs are like, uh, we are the foundation of the industry and <laughs> I think um, with the likes of, say, Music Venue Trust, mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, they, they've been incredible over the last few years um i mean the fact that venues can actually now apply for uh, arts council grants yeah i mean you know we, we we've been here well our family's run this place for about 34 years wow um so it's only really been the last two years that you can actually apply for the grants if you use it you know which it, does it all you know all the money before would have been going to like um like big posh opera houses or you know, whatever, which is, you know, and that's fine. You know, I'm not knocking that at no, all. No. But I think it's just like, you know, it's just nice. It that, to be included. Yeah, be included. And actually kind of be, even, even the industry itself, the music industry itself is um, kind of taking us seriously now. And the fact that without us, there wouldn't be an industry. Whatsoever.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think as well, the Music Venue Trust were, were instrumental in lobbying for um, closure notices a few years ago. In in yeah. that removing the ability for um, housing housing communities and, and new build properties from yeah. applying for closure of a venue if that venue yeah. had been there before the the build had begun, which is amazing because yeah. I, I'm sure you remember it happened to the build, the boiler room we were just spoken to, and a yeah. few other places uh, a few years ago where there was just a rate of venues being closed down because someone moves in nearby and then goes oh, that's too loud I don't like it. And then the venue has to close, which is savage because, as we said to Dom, yeah. the last I mean, bit,
3: they we, are we through, uh, before, before the uh, um, MVC was even set up. We went through uh, 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 basically had a, a neighbour complaining Just going back about uh, fourteen odd years, yeah, mm-hmm. fourteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, um I mean, we're we're uh, a family-run venue, and yeah. we have you know, we're not part of any corporate. You know, we're not like a, like a rough trade type thing or mm-hmm. um so what happened with us was uh, we we were being advised to, to back to literally to, to back off and just go, right, no point in fighting it, you're gonna lose. You may as well just like hand the keys back and say see you later. um and we, we decided to fight, um caused a lot of stress. Uh, we ended up having to sell our house, which my parents worked for. Oh my god. Um so that we could pay for the work, because I mean, the work, just the work alone to get the room soundproof cost 90 grand. Oh, fucking hell. Um, and then you got like, we, we had to close for a month, so that was a month's loss of earnings and like cancel the bands or the gigs, yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, anyway, ended up going to court, and uh, I think it ended up becoming a landmark case where we won.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Um.
3: And uh, yeah, and that's close to there now. So yeah. it's just a case of having to compromise sometimes. And um, I mean, and again, this is pre-sort of MVT. I mean, I think if MVT were were around now, if then yeah. we would have probably you know, we we it would have been a very different scenario. So well, that's
1: the, the epitome, I think, of what the MVT their, their purpose is. Therefore, mm-hmm. is is to support you in those sort of endeavours, yeah. which is yeah. and we well, kind of a,
3: we support each other, I think. I mean, especially like, I mean, I think we're kind of lucky in Bristol that all the venues tend to get on. Yeah. You know, we all speak to each other, you know, like, um, we're all friends and, you know, we, we, we're we all kind of sort of musicians and like our daytime job is musicians yeah. as well <laughs> as the um, venues and stuff. So, so it's, um, so we kind of get both sides and, you know, we, we kind of understand how the industry works. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think well, I, I, I toured, uh, we did a tour with um, my lot. Uh, we support Alex Jigler around Europe mm-hmm. last uh, March, yeah. and um, it was interesting to see, like, to play different different venues in the UK and just like speak to different promoters and like venue owners and get their perspective on on and, and I kind of realised that Bristol is very different to a lot of other cities uh, where we are very. Support it. like the venues here are quite supportive of their acts, and you know we 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 as well as providing the space for bands to play, we, we also give advice as much as we can.
1: That's
3: so important. Um, we support as much as we can as well, because it, it you know it is everybody's in the same boat in the, the day. So. Exactly. Exactly. Would you, would
0: you say that 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 kind of attributes to like that community aspect of it is why you've managed to keep such a great reputation reputation in the touring circuit? and why bands keep coming back?
3: I think so, possibly, yeah. I think, you know, I think it's also like understanding how being a musician myself, you know, and it's like been swarming for gone as too bloody long. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) You sort of realise how, uh, uh, you know, what to expect. And, you know, I I think it, it, yeah, we try and provide some of this, like a clean space, some of the safe, some of the bands you know just you know sort of relax and you know not not forget it. if they're too stressed we we try and talk to them about why they're stressed and what's going on and you know
0: do you have any any shows in particular that like you're super excited to like what what what's the first show you're excited to see when it when we get back to normality
3: that's again that's a tough question because we don't know where we go <laughs> <laughs> uh, put, Let's put it, put it uh, this
1: way actually If you had a, a dream gig that you could put on Like we're back tomorrow Everything's back to normal You can put anyone we, on that you we, want we have got In your venue um, it
3: Supposed to be playing in, in April um, Oh yeah uh, I don't know If that happens that'd be amazing If it doesn't You know That that would be uh, like a really nice way to, to go Right here, here we are. Let's uh, about setting up, um, like doing a a, a two-day festival thing, like you know, just to kind of have something for for local, especially for local bands to, to look forward to, so they can you know, so it's something that mm-hmm. we you know we're, we're looking to to sort out at the moment.
1: I think it's something that particularly in Bristol you are very fortunate in the fact that you have such a, a, a strong community of local bands like everyone who plays in a band in, in Bristol yeah. in my experience anyway is super connected to their scene plays in more than one act in most cases mm. as well and gravitates around places like the uh-huh. Louisiana so it's amazing that you've got this this community that yeah. thrives from th- yeah. what you have fantastic.
3: Yeah. yeah, no, no we're, we're, we're really lucky I think but again it's, it's something that's uh, it's not happened overnight. It's something that's like, taken a, a long time to to build. Uh, and I think, yeah, you know, a, a lot of people, I get asked a lot, a, a, quite a lot, by people saying they want to set up a venue, and I'm like, well, unless you're willing to 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 put everything you've got into it, then you know, what I mean, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's not. You know, people think it's an easy thing to set up a venue, and it's like it's, it's
1: no no it's not it's it's a 24 hour seven days a week real real hard graft to get something not even just set up but to have it set up and build a reputation on it you know i mean from touring a lot and having come through louisiana a couple of times it's always somewhere that Mm -hmm. sticks out you know as as you know as as a musician when you're touring you can start to blend days together and forget where you were three or four days ago what the venue was called what city it was in with, with places like the Louisiana it's always been somewhere that I've remembered straight away I know exactly when I was there I know who yeah. I was there with I know what the show was like because of yeah. the hospitality that is provided when, when you're there because it feels homely it, it feels is,
3: friendly it doesn't feel I, I, I actually think next time we come through it's going to be a lot better I, I, th- I think we've improved it up another yeah. couple of levels now. So, um, That's fantastic. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's just us trying to keep busy during lockdown. You it's <laughs> yeah. a bit of time to kind of reflect on a few things and just like, you know, look at things that, look at where we can improve, what we can improve, mm-hmm. um, and how we can improve certain things, you know. So, and, you know, and, and going back to what we were saying earlier about, um, running a venue, it's a learning, you know, you learn, you know, something new every day, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, demographic change, everything changes in a sense of like, you know, you have to kind of the way that the kind of kinds of music that come through, like there's a lot less bands, it's more kind of, a a lot of things are on computer now. Uh, Yeah. you know uh, there's there's lots of uh, things are changing big time so you know there's lots of things that we have you know know, I I think we're ready now to adapt to any situation
1: perfect Uh, that's amazing that's great to hear I mean like you just said like you you do have to adapt and change and and listen to what's popular I think that's where some venues become Stuck in the mud Or Become irrelevant In some sense Because they refuse To move with the times You know You you might Have a particular taste In music That you love to work with And that's what you want In your venue But unfortunately If that is not Paying the bills You've yeah. got to fucking You've got to put some DJs in You've got to do some club nights You've got to do some stuff That's not your style To, to maintain then, relevant so, so,
3: so, so, we, and we We've got that, one rule Which is basically Any type of music We won't have uh, We don't, we don't uh, cover bands, we get the old three. That's the old, old one that sneaks in. <laughs> uh, but it's you know, we want anything that's like slightly right wing. We can do one. Oh you know, yeah, definitely. absolutely Apart from that, yeah. we, you know, we, we haven't got any. You know, we, we have a, a, you know everything and anything. We you know just,
1: yeah. yeah, which is which is what what small and independent venue and independent venues yeah. are for to is to be able to give a platform to within reason yeah. anyone yeah. who yeah. needs it <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> so as a musician actually this is we haven't asked anyone else this because as a musician you've toured, you've traveled so you've had the opportunity to see other venues and meet other people and see how they do things in your opinion what is your favorite other venue that you've been to oh, in the uk that's yeah I mean, you can do anywhere if you like, That's, you know, if you want to, but I'm just thinking for for the purpose of Independent Venue Week.
3: Uh, pick UK one.
1: But if you've got another.
3: I mean, I think in Bristol, we're really, really lucky because I think every venue, like Crofters, Exchange, Trinity, they're quality venues. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. Okay. Please, You know, they're, yeah. they're all quality yeah. venues. They're, they're all run by really, really cool people. Um, you, know, every, every, you know, they're just, you, you, you know, you go there, you know, it, it's going to be quality all the way through. Um, nationally, I
1: think. It is quite a difficult question. so many, so yeah. Many.
3: Uh, I've always liked King Tut's, always had a good time there. King, King Tut's is, is yeah. fantastic, Yeah, yeah it's yeah.
1: great. Really, really good place. That's another one which I think reflects um, the hospitality yeah. that you guys provide as well, and that you always feel very well, well looked after. I mean, our place is to-
3: kind of based on King Tut's. In, in a way uh, so mm-hmm. it's like you know it's a, it's a similar sort of set of like you've got the downstairs the are yes. upstairs um, they're slightly bigger than us I think but uh, you know I think always had a great time there um, try and think where else uh, yeah it's just too many yeah, yeah there's it's too many not exactly. the good ones <laughs> as well, you know what I mean so, so yeah there's lots of things that aren't, aren't as good so yeah
1: well that exemplifies exactly what we're what we're trying to do with this episode is that there is so many places in the UK that offer this platform to young bands and young musicians that need to be yeah. saved, need to be looked after, and need to be talked about. Um so with that in mind, thank you so much for coming on, Meg. It's really, Thanks, really appreciated. I- Thanks, right.
3: Meg. Yeah, take yeah. it
1: easy and hopefully uh, we'll see yeah, you soon. Hopefully,
3: yeah. <laughs> 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 take it. Great say. to see you, man. Bye bye.
1: Take it easy, buddy. Well, bye bye.